0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: We are launching a brand new series today, and I'm very excited about the series that the Lord has laid at my heart. It's a series on leadership. Probably the most requested themes that I'm asked to speak on in my career, at least in the last 10 years, has been on the subject of leadership. In fact, uh, I'm speaking again this summer to the Iwana people on leadership. I've done this so many different places. And yet, when I think about being asked to speak on this, it is not because I'm some great leader. I'm, I'm really not. In fact, for me to speak on this subject is more born out of my inadequacies than my adequacies. My sense of feeling like as a leader there is so much I don't know and yet I know the importance of good godly leadership and therefore I need to go back to the book to learn how to do it. So I immerse myself in this uh, throughout the year. Not only this but this because I know that it's involving other people's lives. But often when I speak on leadership I often like to go to Matthew when it talks about whosoever is chief among you let him be your servant. So most of my themes are around. Surround biblical servant leadership. And it's biblical and it's right to do that. But I have never, this is the very first time in my entire years of speaking that I've ever spoken on a message or a series completely on becoming a leader like Jesus. There are a lot of great material that's out there, a lot of material, books and blogs and stuff. And at the end of this series, I'll provide you with the ones that have impacted my life that you might want to go further because we can't cover it all. But. I really want to go back to the greatest leader that ever is, not was, but is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to do it through a, through a few weeks, not going to cover the entire life of Christ, but I'm going to pick and choose, cherry pick out of the life of Christ, leadership principles in his life. Perhaps if you've been in Christianity for a long time, you've had messages on Christ as the Messiah, or Christ as the servant, or Christ as the Lord, or Christ as the teacher. But how many messages or series have you really heard on Jesus Christ and what it means to be a Christ-like leader? Now, I know you might be thinking, why would I speak on that? Because so many of you might be even retired and you have passed the mantle of leadership to another generation. But maybe it would be good for us to open this up again because I really believe leadership could be reduced almost too simplified, but could be reduced to the word influence. If you would take a moment and just look around at this big crowd that we have here, you can just glance around and you'll notice that every one of us are here today and where we are here today as a result of leadership in our life. Someone has done something in our life to impact us. Now some of us might be thinking how much further we would have been in life today if we had better leaders or influencers in our life. And some of us are maybe grateful that we are where we are today because we've had those people in our life. But my desire is to help you with these principles so that you can be the leader that you could be. Now for you young people that are here, I'm going to ask you to come fully alert to these messages because it's to you I mostly want to speak today. Because you are the emerging leaders, you are the next generation leaders. And I hope that maybe this would be the defining series in your life on that area of leadership that could help you to navigate for the future because really we who are older... We'll probably live long enough should the Lord not come back that you'll be in position of great influence. And we ask that the Lord would really use you in a mighty way. One verse is found in Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14. And it says this, Without wise leadership, a nation is in trouble. When I think about that, without wise leadership, families are in trouble. How many families do you know now that are struggling because there is not good leadership? Good leadership in the family. How many about in marriages, where the marriages are struggling because there's a person that is out of order in the area of leadership? How many businesses are struggling because it doesn't have good leadership at the helm? And how many countries, even maybe our country, that struggles because of the lack of the right kind of leadership? And I have to also add to that, there are churches today that are struggling because they don't have a leader like Christ in a position of influence in that church. So it's very, very important for that. Well, I think there are three big problems in leadership today, and our culture in the world, and even here on the island. And if I could simply reduce it to these three, it might help us to realize the importance for us to pay attention to what God has to say and how we might change our lives based on what He speaks to us. First of all, we've lost the difference between a celebrity and a leader. Uh, it seems like today that uh, celebrities are looked upon as being leaders, and perhaps they are because if leadership is influence, leadership today and those that are in celebrity positions are influencing a crowd and it's huge today and if there ever is a crowd that is being the influencers of the emerging leaders today it would be the celebrity today and we really need to have more leaders today and not just so many celebrities and what's the difference leaders are going to get things done celebrities are mainly just famous and we've got plenty of celebrities but I wonder how many leaders that we have and I'm praying so much that out of this group that God would take all of us to another level but particularly our young people that they would have a passion to be on the front line of being the leader that God would have them to be. The second problem is there's a real shortage of godly leadership around the world. There truly is and that's why I believe that we as a church need to invest ourselves in the next generation global leaders. I'm so honored to pastor a church with so many family members that are wanting their young people to grow up to be godly leaders that they work very hard at that. And I do want to tell you how important that is and to stay the course and to help them to be that. But at the same time, I'm asking God that we might even take it to another level. What can we do as a church to provide a center that kids could come where they could be trained in leadership principles? Now, we're not talking about everything you can get from the world on leadership, but from biblical principles to show the difference of what good godly leadership is. I wonder how many parents have their kids take music lessons so they can become a better musician, or maybe take some sports lessons when they go to athletic camps to learn how to be a better athlete, and maybe take some classes on computer technology so they can do better computer. And that's all important, and I'm not saying not to do that. But I'm saying sometimes we just say, well, if I go to church and I go to Sunday school and I learn biblical principles about the Bible, I'll automatically become a leader. I believe that while we will focus some special training in these other areas, that we ought to be able to come together and provide designated training from the Bible on how to equip people to really be influencers of others in areas of leadership. Where is that being done? What classes are being taught on this now? Now, it doesn't mean that that's all that they need to learn, but there needs to be how do you take the word and put it into an area based on my giftedness, based on my personality, based on my shape. How could I be a better leader, influencer of others? So there is a need for good, godly leaders in the world. And then thirdly, because we have the wrong kind of leaders in many areas. We spoke about that a moment ago, but we do have sometimes the wrong leaders in media, the wrong leaders in government, the wrong leaders in sports and entertainment and business, and even in education. And again, there are good people, but they're not equipped well to be leaders, but are in positions of influence in churches as well. Now, for those of you that are hearing that, let me just pause and say, that is not a veiled message thinking that our church has a leadership vacuum in our areas of the wrong guys in leadership Our guys are learning and wanting to be all that they can be, but we always want to be more than we can be. And perhaps they have the same spirit, hopefully, that I'm having, and that is that I need to know and how to do better. Now, if you know this, I think most of you will agree that every believer is to be a leader. every believer is to be a leader. Now let me pause on that because some of you might think, well that means every believer is supposed to have a title and have followers. Not necessarily. What I mean by that is since the Bible tells us that we're to be used of the Lord to lead people to Christ, that we're a leader. We're to lead people on their journey to spiritual maturity, we're a leader. We're to guide our families in biblical principles so they'll grow up to be fully obedient worshipers of God, so we're leaders. So every one of us have been earmarked by God if we're a believer to be a leader. And so there are great things to do on holiness, but now what are the practical things that we could learn from the Lord's life to do that? Well, you can see, I hardly have enough time to unpack this message, but I'd like to take the seven foundational principles that I've gained from the life of Christ and give you four today and three next week on this. And I'll give you more weeks following, but for right now, I wanted to give you some foundational principles and where we might begin. So let's go to principle number one. The first one is identification. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, do I know who I am? And if you're writing that down, if that's an identification, who am I? You might change that just a bit and also ask it this way. Not only who am I, but whose am I? In other words, I need to know who I am, the way God made me, but I also have to know who owns me, who do I belong to? Because once I understand that, it'll certainly help me through the pipeline of information and strength that we've sung about today about who we are, and whose we are to be the leader that God would have us to be. If you look at these passages that I've given to you, I've taken snippets, but it's all wrapped up around Christ identifying who he was. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the son of God. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the bread of life. And yea, he could simply say, I am. So he knew who he was. And so we celebrate with that. But at the same time, because I am a partaker of his divine nature and Christ lives in me, the hope of glory, I belong to him so I can know who I am as well. I am a blood-bought, born-again believer in Jesus Christ who now is my Lord. And he is the one who has given me a purpose for living. And my job is to influence as many as I can and making him famous throughout the world. So I know who I am. And that's what we need to ask ourselves. Who are we? A secular writer by the name of Warren Bennis, who's a USC professor, has written dozens of books. And he says one of the very foundational principles to begin with in leadership is what they call self-awareness. Before we can really add to our, our lifestyle of leadership principles, we have to understand how am I hardwired and who am I and whose am I and how important that is. And that means also knowing what are we strong in and celebrate our strengths. And if they're genuine, authentic strengths, then we know that those strains didn't come from us because whatever good they are they're what God made in us but at the same time to have a balanced self-image to realize where are our weaknesses and I like what Mel's Carbonell says he refers to them not so much as weaknesses that can maybe make us feel guilty but look at them as uniquenesses that might need to be developed and improved and so we need to know where are we and so I ask you right now for a moment in love are you humble enough and safe enough in yourself to say okay I do need to recognize that I'm calling this earth as a believer to be an influencer of other people. And I need to know who I am and whose I am. And once I get that together, then, Lord, I want to bear my soul to you and say, I want you to make me that leader you want me to be. Eighteen times in the gospel, Jesus defines himself when he says who he was. In John 8, 18, he says, I testify on my own behalf. And basically he's saying, I'm not going to depend upon other people's opinion of me to define me. And I want to pause on that for a moment. I know that in leadership sometimes people might give you an attaboy here and a little change there. You're going to try to monitor yourself and modify where you are. But at the same time as we look at ourselves and we say who we really are in Christ. And we rest upon that. We have to be very careful that we don't allow other people to be those people in our life that will define us. And you're going to see why in just a moment. There are three traps that we can fall into if we do not know who we are and how God made us. I want you to write these down because I think that all of us sometimes have fallen into this trap, and some of you might be there. But I want you to know that a trap is easily broken by the power of the Holy Spirit in God. So here's the three common traps. The first one is you will allow other people to manipulate you with their expectations. If you don't know who you are and why God made you and your purpose on this earth, it's very easy then to become a person who is manipulated. And you could add a word to that. Some people are not just manipulated, they're intimidated. They are forced into a position or a personality style of something and someone that they're really not. And simply said, if you don't know who you are and whose you are, other people will help put you into that position. And I have to tell you how important it is for you to really realize why God made you, how he made you, for what purpose he's made you, and then to get into that zone and use it to bring glory to the Lord by adding value to others. So the first trap is people will manipulate you. They will put you in a position that you're in that you don't want to be in. And if you don't mind, let me speak maybe from the pastoral role, not our team as much, but it's the pastoral role. If you want to know how pastors struggle with this, I think maybe that's my best illustration because I live in that world. Here we are as pastors wanting to glorify the Lord and we know that he wants us to live a holy life and he wants us to add value to other people, but there's still decisions we have to make. What color of the building we're going to paint? What hours we want to keep during the day and which person we see first in the hospital and what call we return? And so all of a sudden people start telling you who it should be. Your deacon team, your elder team will tell you influences in the church will tell you seminars and conferences you go to they'll tell you how you should be a pastor you'll go back to your notes in seminary and pretty soon you hear voices I don't mean woo-woo-woo voices but you hear voices and you don't know who to really listen to And so you're really struggling and so you know what you do you go to your wife and you say honey what should I do and she says well just do what God tells you to do and then you say yeah but God told me in the multitude of counselors their safety and they all don't agree So pretty soon there's a time in your life where you have to shut down and get along with God and say, this is who I am and I'm going to trust God as I live out that life. That doesn't mean you don't take criticism at times. It doesn't mean that you don't take sometimes a correction. But at the same time, you need to know who you are because other people can manipulate you, intimidate you into something that once you become that, you cease being who you are. You've lost your power. You're not in the center of God's will. And you go to number two, the second trap. And that trap is you start living what is known as a phony life. Then you say, okay, I want to make people happy, and so I've got to make people happy. So you're different at a small group, you're different at church, you're different at home, you're different on the job, you're different at a basketball game, you're different at all different places because you're trying to make sure that you're pleasing the right group that you're with at that right time. And that can be devastating because then you're always pretending and you go home at night and you feel like, I don't even know who I am any longer. Am I a person, partner, parent, provider? Who am I any longer? That brings us to the third trap. It's a spiral downward. And that means that you will have tremendous stress because now you're forcing yourself to live into this mold right here and really sensing what does God want me to be or who does he want me to be. So be very careful about that. Now, there are two things that will limit your leadership and will weaken your identity. There's the first one, and that's going to be comparing. So all of a sudden you start checking yourself out and you're saying, all right, I want to know how I do this. So you begin to compare yourself with another person. And there's a great challenge in that when you do that. Because someday you're going to stand before God and you're going to have to answer for who you are. And God's not going to say to you, why weren't you more like so-and-so that you're comparing yourself to? He's going to say this to you. He's going to say, why weren't you like the person I was making you to be? And so when we stand before the Lord, it's not for us to say, I want to be like this person, be like that person. So there are great books on leadership, but you don't want to be everybody who's that leader out there. You want to define who you are and celebrate that, add to it, grow, stretch become all that God wants you to be, but let God define who you are. Be careful about comparing yourself to other people. There are two downsides when you compare, and you know what they are already. You're going to look to someone over here, and that person is going to be so much better than you. And as you look to that person, you're going to say, man, no matter what I try to be, I can't speak like them, I can't sing like them, I can't make decisions as quickly, I can't think that deeply like they do, I can't be like them. And what happens then is Satan takes that aura over there and he now makes you feel discouraged. And pretty soon you almost want to give up and then you just become a snowflake in the blizzard of humanity just floating with the next manipulator intimidator that comes into your world so that's a dangerous thing the other downside of that is that you'll also look at people and say you know what I can speak better than them I can sing better than them I can write better than them I can lead better than them and you know what that does that then creates two other challenges. One is pride and the other is ego. And We learned some of this stuff at the seminar, those of you who went, this last point. On pride and ego come crashing together because we've compared and we saw ourselves better than others. And you know, the Bible says, those who compare themselves among themselves are unwise. So, what limit our... Leadership and weaken our identity is comparing ourselves to others rather than comparing ourselves to the Lord. Because when the Lord has to point out a flaw in our character, He does it as a spirit of a loving father, a tender mother, and a careful surgeon. Because He loves us. It's to add value, not to beat us down. But here's a second one, and that would be copying. Copying. We talked a little bit about that. But God doesn't want us to copy anybody else. So don't copy anybody. If you want to copy anyone, copy the Lord. He's the one that we really want to be. He's the greatest influencer in our life. All right, let's look at the second principle for today, and that's the principle of clarification. So here's a question, a self-question that you can ask when you're humble and ready to hear the answer and seek God on this, and that is, do I know what God wants me to accomplish? First one is, do I know who I am and whose I am? Now, what does He want me to accomplish? I like the words of Jesus in 8.14 when He says, Jesus said, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. I could talk about came from and going, but I like the phrases as I know these things. So if you mind for a moment, I'm going to ask you a very personal question. I want to say it as tenderly as I can, but it's a very profound question. Why are you on planet Earth? Now, I know it's to glorify God, win people to christ disciple them make sure i stay out of trouble i understand all that but i think you and i are far more than that that god has wired you with a personality he's wired you with spiritual gifts he's wired you with experiences with abilities and even with passion for certain things there's certain things you really like to do that was god giving that to you but now in that little thing that you have are you serving in that area now, some of you might say, you know, I have missed the boat on that so far, Stan, that I can't, I can't go back to that. I, I can't even untangle from that. I'm financially in bondage to that right now, my whole career and everything, but I really want to be over there. I know that's where you're struggling. And maybe these messages will help you graciously to still see in that situation you will make lemonade. But if you'll recall, my real heartbeat today, that this message will be falling on the ears of those that are still young enough that can discover who they are, whose they are, and what they're made to do for God in an accomplishable way. And so you young people, you have to ask that question. You have not married. You have not gone deeply into debt. You have not bought a house and planted roots. You have not gone off to school yet. You are not into your career yet. So why are you here? Do you select schools just because they offered you a scholarship? Is that your reason? You go to school because it's closer to friends and family? You're going to a school because your buddies are there? You're going there because you can play a certain sport? Are you there because that's where God wants you to be? Because not only that, you know what God wants you to do. Now let me take some pressure off for a moment. Some of you, like most of us, we didn't know when we were 17 and 18 and 19 what we were to do. But I'm saying right now, your objective is to know what that objective is and to keep sensing Lord what do you want me to do I don't want to waste a moment in your school of preparation and that's all you have to do and I believe that if we trust the Lord with all our heart and we lean on under our understanding God will direct our what he wants us to accomplish paths I, I know that with all my heart it's a promise of him now look back over here at Luke four forty three. I know what I came from, I know where I'm going. He says, I must proclaim the good news for I was sent for this purpose. I love that thought, I'm sent for this purpose. If you're in a situation now and you want to know what am I supposed to accomplish, there's a big difference between activity and productivity. And you've heard the illustration, you can be rocking on a rocking chair, there's a lot of activity, but the rocking chair isn't going anywhere forward. So you could be involved in a lot of things, and by doing those things, you're thinking, man, that is really great, but could that activity keep you so busy and distracted that you don't have the energy or the time to slow down to hear the voice of God so you can then begin to use less of that activity, but go further, faster, into accomplishing what he wants. So the real question is, is what moves me from pure activity into effective productivity? One of those keys is the concept of purpose. What's the purpose? What am I doing? What value am I gaining and giving out of this, what I'm doing right now, for the bigger picture, what God has called for my life? For some of us, it might mean just for this season, and that season could be, you name the time, to get alone with God and find out who am I, whose am I, and what does he want me to accomplish right now for my future as a leader. Jesus says, I must finish what he's asked me to do. I pray that we'll do that. I want to be busy about my father's business. Going back to the life of Christ for a moment. Does anybody know what the first words of Christ were recorded as being said in the Bible? do you know what his first words were and then do you know what was in the last little bit of his last words before he you know died and resurrected what what, what, what were the bookends of his life and and you know what I I know he resurrected so you know I believe in that alright let's go back to this so I look at those and I say I would like those to be the bookends of my life and maybe my life is 60 I'm starting now your life could be 16 and starting now but if you want to say the beginning of my life of purpose then maybe your words would be this the same words of Christ that are recorded not the first words you ever spoke but the first words that were recorded was this you ready? I must be about my father's business would that be the bookend of your as a Christian dedicating your life to the Lord I must be about my father's business and what is my father's business That he wants me in which to participate. All right. Discover that. Live it no matter the cost. Then what do you think the last words were? You all know this, near in the very end, what are the last bit of words? It's three words. It is what? Finished. And so maybe the bookend of our life will be: I want to do my father's business. And when I'm done, I want to be able to say, one more day, one more hour, one more meeting, one more event.